He breathed through a tube. The sight of him brought me back to New York, where I lived, and to the hospital where I worked as a clinical pharmacist. My father no longer resembled me. The short boxer's physique, a bullish muscularity I'd always detested sharing with him, was gone. In fact, he no longer resembled anyone in the family. He belonged now to that transnational tribe of the sick and the dying. Without the dentures he'd worn most of his adult life, My father's mouth was a pit, a wrinkled open wound below the nose. What I could see of his eyes, on their lids, they were three quarters closed, did not appear to see me back. He looked not only thin, but vacuum-dried, desiccated, less a human than prehistoric remains of one. He groaned, a low and heavy sound. All right, Papa, all right. My mother took a brown dropper bottle from a chair next to the bed, This used to hold him for a while, she said, but lately he's complaining around the clock. Steadying his chin, she released a dose of liquid morphine into his mouth with a dainty caution of a woman ladling hot soup or lighting a church candle. He let out another groan. She stroked the sides of his face. Even bedridden and in pain, my father had managed to preserve their old arrangement. When he called, she was there to wait on him. I'd predicted this, and how much I would hate to watch. In my suitcase, I carried an answer. Sucrol was the newest therapy for chronic pain on the market in America. White and square, the size of movie ticket stubs, Sucrol patches adhered to the skin, releasing opiates much stronger than morphine. Doctors had just started prescribing them to terminal patients in New York. Sucrol could take years to reach the Philippines, a country whose premier pharmacy chain boasted Laging bago ang gamot dito, as its tagline. We do not sell expired drugs here. Still, something kept me from unpacking the patches right then. I did not want my mother to see my hands shaking, to know what I had done to bring them here in the first place, let alone the price I'd pay if anyone found out. Is that better, Papa? My mother returned the morphine to the chair next to a rosary, a spiral notebook, a folded white hand fan. She logged the dose into the notebook, like the nurse she'd once been. I picked up the fan and opened it, rib by wooden rib. Its lace edge had frayed, but the linen pleats remained bright and clean. I remembered sitting on her lap as a child during Sunday Mass, while she flicked her wrist back and forth to cool me with it. She'd brought my father to the doctor eight months before, when he had trouble breathing and couldn't finish a meal without hunching over in pain. His belly had grown to the size of a watermelon and, from the veins straining against the skin, nearly as green. When my mother called me in New York and said, liver cancer, I imagined my parents as clearly as if I'd been sitting in the free clinic with them. I saw my father shrug or grunt each time a doctor addressed him, as proud and stubbornly tongue-tied as he always became around people with titles and offices. I saw my mother frown in concentration and move her lips in time with the doctor's as if that would help her understand. I saw her dab the corners of my father's mouth with the white handkerchief she'd always carried in her purse. Because of his age and his refusal, even after his diagnosis, to stop drinking, he never qualified for a transplant. At my mother's request, I wired money to a Philippine national bank account that I kept open for the family. Whenever someone needed rent or medicine or tuition back home, I sent what I could, having no wife or children of my own to support. 
In my father's case, I thought about refusing. But it occurred to me a relative might say he could get better care in America. His coming to New York for treatment and staying with me, or worse, in the hospital where I made my living, was something I'd have wired any sum to avoid. When chemotherapy did not stop the cancer's spread to his lungs, when radiation did not shrink the masses, my father's doctor began to speak in a code we both understood. Pain management instead of treatment. Not recovery, but comfort in his last days. My money turned from doxorubicin and radiotherapy to oxygen tanks, air conditioning, the dark brown bottle of morphine. Still, I expected my father to survive. For all the years I'd spent wishing him dead, it was my mother's role in the family drama, not his, to suffer. Esteban has got-